Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. Hey, Founder Fam, before we dive into another incredible conversation, I want to share something really special with you. Whether you're just joining us or you've been following us since the beginning, you've been a critical part of our community working to change entrepreneurial education. I started Founder almost a decade ago with the mission to provide entrepreneurs access to the world's greatest business leaders. Our goal was to break down barriers to entrepreneurial education, and that's taken us on a journey from Founder Magazine to this podcast and beyond, and today marks the next step in that journey, Founder Plus. I'm proud to introduce you to Founder Plus, which is an all-access pass to each of our online courses and programs and their proven frameworks for success. It puts every strategy we've compiled from world-class instructors at your fingertips while connecting you to a global network of like-minded entrepreneurs. Founder Plus will take your business to the next level for today and tomorrow. So whether you've just joined our family or you've watched us grow from humble beginnings, we're really thrilled to have you join us in this exciting new phase of making the Founder brand and this company the world's best entrepreneurial community to launch and grow your business. So finally, before we get into today's episode, I'm inviting you to come back Check out Founder Plus and go to founder.com forward slash membership. I'm really excited, guys. This is an incredible new evolution of entrepreneurial education. And our mission is really to get as many of these founders that we interview to teach and also give back on the Founder Plus platform and really go more in depth with the knowledge and the experiences and the lessons learned that they're sharing all in Founder Plus. So guys, please go check it out if you're enjoying these interviews. That's it from me. I hope you enjoy this episode. Now let's jump in. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human. Who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. 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 The Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Seth Ghost, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Ken. Welcome to the e-commerce AI summit. Excited to speak with you. You're the absolute master when it comes to products and sourcing and product development. Uh, You're someone that I've got to know very, very well. You've taught multiple courses on the founder platform and uh, I caught up with you in Dubai earlier this year. It's been awesome getting to know you better and uh, really excited. Like we haven't even spoke about this, how you're actually using AI and how e-commerce founders can use AI. But for those that are not familiar with who you are and your story, uh, the first question I ask everyone that comes on is, how did you get your job? Okay, how'd you find yourself doing the work you're doing today? 
Yeah, super happy to be here, Nathan. Thanks very much for having me back and great to connect with the founder audience again. Yeah, I was very, very lucky because uh, I found my passion really early. Um, my I sort of fell into it by accident because my dad was doing a lot of product development and sourcing in China um, around 35 years ago when China was just sort of coming out of a communist rule and he was going there uh, to develop his own products because he started his own shop and wanted to make products better. So from a young age, from five years old, I was always just seeing my dad go to China all the time. And as a young kid, I was always curious, you know, what happens in China? My dad always comes back with these cool products. He's always coming up with new ideas. This is awesome. So when I graduated university, he was like, hey, do you want to come to China with me and I'll show you the ropes and sort of show you what I do out there? I was like, yeah, 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 absolutely. So it was supposed to be a two-week trip, ended up being a three-month trip. I just stayed there and then went back to Scotland, got my things, set up an office and then moved to China. So luckily I fell into it. Um, I saw products at an early, early age and then just really became in love with the process of developing products. And I really realized that when I was spending a lot of time in factories in the Far East. Mm, there you go. And how long have you spent in China, you reckon? You used to, you used to live there for a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I've lived there on and off for probably four or five years. And then when I'm not living there, I still travel there every like two to three months. And then I'm actually going there in a few days as well. So anyone who's connected with me on social media, you're going to see a lot of stories and posts inside factories and exhibitions and trade shows and developing new products and stuff like that as well. Yeah, there you go. So how many products have you sourced in your career, you reckon? It's, it's funny because like when I started public speaking, maybe a few years ago, I knew it was two, two and a half thousand and I've always just stuck with that number, but now it must be like well over like 3000. Um, and when we're talking about number of products, this is something that I've either designed sourced, developed or, or manufactured. Sometimes it can be like a fresh idea that I've had or I've worked with a client, or sometimes it can be something that a factory is already doing. And I'm like, I really, really like that. And then I can just make a small tweak on top of it. I call that um, imitate and innovate. I don't want to imitate any products. Like I don't want to just copy what you do. I want to innovate on top of what you do. But because you're already doing it, you've reached a certain economies of scale, you know, like the production lines already set up, you know, the molds are already there, the sample process has already been done, the workers are familiar how to make the product. So we can kind of just fast track that process and then make an innovation on top. So for example, if there's a very, very popular, you know, tent that's selling, but let's say we want to bring it to the Middle Eastern market and normally tents have like a waterproof coating, whereas in the Middle East, they need UV reflection. So we just swap out, you know, the waterproof coating with a UV coating. And that's like innovating on top of something that already exists. And now you can sort of try it in a new market as well. So yeah, two and a half thousand products, I would say probably 3000 now. And it's a variety of different things that I've sourced and designed, developed to myself or worked with factories directly on as well. Yeah, there you go. And you've sourced for the NBA, Steph Curry. He was like, you did, yeah, yeah. Tell us about that. Like all sorts, like, yeah. Yeah. So, so um, when I went to university, I did a year abroad in University of Miami, 2008 to 2009. When I was in that year abroad, I joined the practice squad. So I was basically the water boy for the team and uh, became, <laughs> yeah, became friends with some of the players. One of the players went on into the NBA. Uh, and he got drafted in 2008, 2009, and he was roommates with Steph Curry. And that's, so when I started doing all this product development in China, six or seven years passed, I DM'd my friend and I was like, hey man, I do. And he only played in the NBA for a short while, got injured, got out. 
but he was still friends and had connections with the NBA. So I just said to him, hey man, I do all this work with factories, I'm developing a lot of products. I work with some retailers. If you can get the NBA license, I can knock out some samples. So we got some products, we got it in the hands of Steph. Um, this is when Steph was like one of the best players in the league at the time as well. And we did some like blankets and towels and bed sheets with like the player's face on it and the body of the blanket would be their, their body. And uh, Steph started posting it on his social media. It went really well. We got the NBA license, we got into retail stores. And then as a result, a lot of other opportunities opened up as well. We started doing products for Neymar Jr., the Brazilian football player. And uh, because he's got some connections with the, with Steph and, and things like that as well. So a lot of doors opened. I went to like sport and license tailgate show in Las Vegas. And then other licenses approached us, just random ones like NASCAR and, you know, things like that. So it's funny, like when one domino falls, then they all go after that. Right. And it's kind of like you just need that one breakthrough or that one opportunity as your, your flagship or your hero product. And then rather than you seeking out other people, they seek you out to, to work together. So it, it was an incredible journey uh, to, to work with the NBA and, and some players as well. Mm, that's awesome. Crazy story, man. So speaking about product development, um, how, can, how can early stage e-commerce founders use AI to develop their products? It's really, really interesting, right? Because I initially when when ai came out i was trying to stay away from it because i was like you know i i feel that product development is a mix between a science and an art and this is not something that a computer generated thing can really you know help with right and i was maybe being a little bit naive and then when i just saw these videos about ai really taking off i was like you know what i better just take a deeper dive into this but ai was kind of just doing you know initially like you know copywriting and things like that and i was kind of thinking like how can it help with products and then I started to research a bunch of tools and I was like, well, let, let's see, because it can make a product for us, but perhaps it can give us better ideas. So anyone who's taken the, the Amazon course with Melissa, you know, Melissa uses a tool called Helium 10. And there are things that we can use to, within softwares that we already use in our business and then work with AI on that to then help us develop better products. So for example, Helium 10 has got a tool called Review Insights, meaning we can go, and this is something I've always been doing anyway, like we can go and find what are the one star and two star negative reviews, right? But um, the, the Review Insights tool can save them and filter them and say like, what are the top five negative reviews that people are complaining about? But now we can input that information into ChatGPT. We can scrape all the negative reviews from page one of Amazon um, or Shopify, wh wherever you're at. And then you can input that into chat GPT and be like, summarize all these 2000 reviews that I've just put in here, summarize what are the top five pain points and give me the best solution in terms of how to improve that on a product, let's just say wooden furniture for the office or something like that, right? And once you have that summary, there's another tool as well uh, called Shulex, which is S-H-U-L-E-X. And this actually does it a lot better than Helium 10. I just bring up Helium 10 as an example because some people might already have it in their business if they're um, an Amazon seller. But Shulex you can use on Amazon Shopify and just instantly it can just take a category, it can summarize all the reviews and then it can input that into ChatGPT as well. So now if I'm developing a new product, right? If I'm starting from scratch, I can go into a category of what's already selling and then I can outline, right, what are the top five negative reviews? I can get that summarized by ChatGPT. 
And then I would input that information. I would use um, ChatGPT to summarize that information into a brief for mid-journey. I'm sure if the audience aren't aware, like mid-journey is something that you can give prompts similar to ChatGPT and it can generate images for you. So let's say that we're doing an, an office chair, right? So we can say that using this information of the top five negative reviews that we want to solve for, develop or d design and develop an office chair which solves for these problems, right? So if they say like, you know, the back length isn't upright enough, um, whatever it may be, then those, it now generates images for you. So we start to get product ideas. And I'm not saying that like whatever comes out of Midjourney should just be something that we like screenshot sent to a supplier and be like, make this. But it starts to give us great visual ideas and places where our minds never really went before in terms of how to solve problems on products, which are prompted from the AI summary of something that we just scraped online. And this whole process literally takes like two minutes, right? So in two minutes, you can have visuals of something that solves problems. And once you get those visuals, you can then tweak on top of that as well. So let's say you get this cool visual of a wooden office chair. You can then say, right, make it Japanese themed, make it like Swedish themed, make it simplistic, make it Ikea style. And literally in a minute, it will turn those out for you as well. Now, I always think of AI as an assistant. It's not going to do the job for you. It's going to assist you in doing the job, right? So once you have those images, the next step is, well, how do we get those prototyped? And you can't just screenshot an image from Midjourney, send it to a factory and say, hey, give me a quote for this. Because in the course, like we covered in a lot of detail, the specification sheet, and that's kind of like a one pager where you've got the dimensions and materials uh, the Pantone colors, what type of packaging, any type of special certification you need. And the human element, which we still need to do, is take that image from Midjourney, which we feel is going to be that next winning product, and turn it into some a document that a supplier can understand, which would be your specification sheet, right? So there are like product designers that we work with, or you can do this yourself. When you take that graphic image, now we just need to add dimensions to it. We need to add materials to it. We need to add Pantone's color to it. And what we also covered in the product development and supply chain course was aligning the manufacturer, which fits your values, right? And once you have a manufacturer, which kind of understands like what you're trying to develop, while we develop products, so do our manufacturers. And it's much better if you share with them. You don't need to give them 100% of here's the exact dimensions and things like that. But if you have visuals and a sketch and then a basic specification sheet, you can share with the manufacturer, here's what I'm trying to develop. What do you guys propose to take this to the next stage? And they can work with their sample room and their sample team to then knock it out into, into a prototype. So to summarize, we're using Helium 10 Review Insights. We're using Shulex to um, gather all the information on negative reviews as well. And the opposite works as well. We can do the same for positive reviews as well to make sure that we're nailing the good aspects of the product that people like as well. And we're summarizing that information again in ChatGPT. We're then inputting that at the mid-journey. It's going to churn out different images for us of what are new innovative products, which solves problems of the negative reviews that people are complaining about. Then we're going to transition that into a specification sheet that a factory will understand. And then they can start to price it up and sample it up for us. Yeah, crazy. And then... What about Alibaba? Are you using Alibaba's new new tools or you don't really source that much from Alibaba? You you kind of source your own stuff, yeah? Yeah, I, I use Alibaba as, as, as like a reference point just because it is such a large marketplace and there are so many top suppliers on there. But there's also a lot of bad suppliers on there as well. So the 
the key to using Alibaba is to navigating it properly and aligning with the manufacturers which are best suited for your brand. And just to give you a very, very quick summary of that, when you go to alibaba.com, you want to be searching by manufacturers, not by products, because if you search by products, it's just gonna list it in terms of cheapest prices. We want to find the top manufacturers. Once you find the top manufacturers, then we negotiate the price down. So we start to search by manufacturers. We type in what we're looking for. Let's just say blue light blocking glasses because I got these on right now. And then you would select the most important thing verified, which means that the information that they um, they put out has been verified by a third party in terms of number of years they've been in business, what certifications they have, what markets they supply. That's the images inside third parties verified that. So we're selecting manufacturers, we're selecting verified. We're also selecting trade assurance, which means our payments are protected. Then we can also I always look at the first word in the company name because the first word is the city or the province in which that factory is located. And in China, factories tend to gather in regions. So for example, electronics are made in Shenzhen. Glasses are made in an area called Wenzhou. So I'm going to see what's a common area. I'm going to see how many years have been in business. I want it to be five years plus. I want to make sure they have the certifications which align with my brand. And then I've kind of got good suppliers there. And then I also use a tool called Import Yeti as well, which is if you're slightly bigger, you can scrape the import records of the market leading manufacturers. So literally in 30 seconds, you can go to importyeti.com. If you want to find out where Kim Kardashian makes her Skims brand or where Drake makes his OVO clothing brand, you can literally type in Skims into Import Yeti. It'll bring up the factories that they use. One of them is called Eurotextile in Turkey that has got their contact information. So easy to find the top factories. How you communicate with them is another issue, right? Because if you're a beginner and you're like, you found a factory that makes for skims, which they're doing, I'm guessing, hundreds of thousands of units, and you just want to do a trial order of 300 pieces, they're not going to be that excited to work with you. So the the picture that you paint and the story that you tell and that initial reach out message is so, so important. And just quickly for, for anyone in the audience who's maybe a beginner that's like, okay, well, now I know how to find the top factory, but how do I communicate with them? It's so important to build leverage and you you don't have to have started a big business already to build that leverage. You can say that like if, if we're doing a yoga mat, you can say, hey, I've been a yoga instructor for five plus years. It's my passion. I go to regular classes. I've got lots of new ideas for new products. I have my own yoga studio. I align with the top yoga influencers in the space. And you can say influencers or in China say KOLs, key opinion leaders. And even if you don't have these people yet, you can just find who are the top influencers in your space, DM them and say, hey, I'm working on this new product. I'd love to send you a sample when it's ready. And then you can say to the suppliers, I'm working with these influencers, right? So then even though you haven't started yet or you don't have a store that you can show to them, at least you can leverage the audience of the influencers because that's something they very much understand in the Far East as well. And they're like, well, okay, cool. If we do this trial order for 300 pieces or 500 pieces, which is just a, a test order, at least, you know, it's going to get widely promoted through these people. And then, you know, they're more excited to work with you. But if you just said, what's your best price and what's your MOQ, they're not that excited to, to work with you. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode and learning a ton. As you know, in this series, we interview some of the greatest founders of our generation to find out how they did it. However, if you're thinking of starting your own business and you want to hear from some incredible stories from everyday people like you or I who are actually in the trenches, only been building their business for maybe one year or two years, like that are building right now and they're really in the early stages, but they're getting success. 
you should come and check out our new podcast, From Zero to Founder, hosted by our community manager, Molly Flynn. These are in-the-trenches stories from our very own successful students that have gone through some of our programs. People just like you who are deep within the process of building their very own successful business. These are the founders of tomorrow. You can find the From Zero to Founder podcast on all platforms. And remember, it's founder without the E. All right, now let's jump in the show. Okay, so yeah, man, geez, this is interesting because you're using, sounds like AI a lot to speed up things and also kind of take out some of the back-to-back cumbersome things that you would do when it comes to sourcing, product development, all sorts of things. Talk to me around, I guess, the challenge you think that uh, businesses are facing implementing AI into their e-commerce businesses. Well, I think it's still relatively new and it's still re- it's developing pretty quickly, right? So the, the the really interesting thing that I feel that all businesses of all sizes need to take advantage of AI is that it completely levels the playing field between beginners and brands, right? Because before these AI tools came about, big brands were paying a lot of staff, a lot of money to do the research of kind of what we just talked about, right? Of researching all these negative reviews and buying samples and stuff like that. But now an absolute beginner can use AI to do the same research, which is available to large organizations. So staying on top of the tools in terms, because there's always new tools coming out. And I believe that in, in Melissa's presentation, she's gone over a wide variety of tools. A guy that I, I talked to a lot, who's also on the summit, Michael uh, Fennec, like he also has got so many different tools as well. So sometimes it can be a little bit overwhelming to be like, there's so many new tools. There's so many accounts on Instagram where like every day they just post a new AI tool and it's it can be overwhelming to um, be like, well, here's like 30 new tools. I need to go try them out. A lot of them have got, you, you know what I mean? Like a monthly charge and then all of a sudden you're like subscribed to 30 different tools. So I, I would say that, you know, align with whatever, because I'm product development at heart, right? So I'm only really interested in AI tools, which can lead me to manufacture a better product. So I would I would sort of narrow the focus for anyone within your business. Where is the area where you're really passionate at? Where is the area where you really excel? Or where is the area where you really need the most help to drive your business forward? And I would focus on the AI tools in that capacity, but not go really wide and be like, right, here's 30 AI tools. And then you don't end up using many of them or becoming an expert at them. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, so how do you find tools that you want to use in your business? You know, like typically within product development and sourcing, I've always been very hands-on in terms of, I go to the factory, I, I purchase samples. I show that to the factory. We work together, they make a version and then, and then they show it to me. So I only see AI at the moment in the, in the product development stage while we're sort of seeking better ways to develop new products. And I think the tools at the moment are quite limited for product development. I mentioned Shulex um, for, for summarizing, then ChatGPT for like optimizing the, the, the wording to put in order to get the best results, Midjourney for visuals. Those are the only three really that, that I'm using at the moment. And I'm sure that we're going to see more tools for supply chain organization, for inventory management, for planning you know, like Black Friday sales and, and things like that. But again, there's also a massive human element to those things as well, because as we're planning our inventory for the year, you know, 
the, the performance of your Black Friday sales is also dependent on the budget of your customer as well as how good were your ads performing and things like that. So inventory planning, maybe with it within AI, we're going to see some tools quite soon, which will tell us like, hey, you need to order by the 23rd of March. Otherwise, you're going to go out of stock at a time, which is a, a really peak, uh, peak selling time for you. I think we're going to get a lot of little benefits like that. But in terms of the, the AI that's available right now for product development, it's really just uh, Shulex, ChatGPT, and uh, and Midjourney, which I'm using. Yeah, got you. And you talk about kind of like where you see things going in the next five years. Where do you see AI going, and where like how much is it going to, I guess, influence e-commerce businesses? What are you excited about in the next five years? I think um, it, it it's definitely going to level the playing field again between beginner intermediate and advanced sellers and brands for example i know alibaba have because i i just went through that process very quickly in terms of how to align to the best supplier on alibaba alibaba have now introduced what's called a supplier match tool and i don't know what their criteria is but you can put input your information in terms of like what product that you're looking for and roughly what size and what quantity and through their AI tool of all the suppliers that they have available in their database, they're just going to match you with suppliers, right? So instantly that kind of takes the pain away for anyone who's not experienced with finding the right supplier, the AI tools that maybe we don't need to use ourselves, but they're inbuilt into platforms that we already work with, like Alibaba, they're going to fast track us to suppliers. Now, there's also a caution with that as well, because part of the beauty of finding the right supplier is building that relationship with them. And if someone just gave me an amazing supplier on my lap and they're like, right, this is the best supplier for you. We've lost some of the magic, right? Because when I'm reaching out to the suppliers, I'm using the information that I see on their profile to say like, okay, I can see you've been established since 2010. That was the first time I also went to China. I can see that you have this ISO 9001 certificate, which is a quality standard. That's also the quality standards that we expect for our company as well. So I can see we have very similar core values. It's great to see that 75% of your exports have gone to North America and 20% to South America. We also supplied South America when we did the product for Neymar and North America when we did the product for Steph Curry. Here's a photo. They get excited. They love the NBA. We go a bit back and forth. We add each other on WeChat. We have video calls. I've even helped suppliers like with their kids English homework right like a supplier calls me up it's like hey like I've got this homework for my son and like I don't understand it can you help him out and I'm like on a call with the kid helping with the homework right so those are the things the human elements that now when let's say I place an order really late and I need it to ship as soon as possible and I can call up my factory boss that I'm friends with and say hey I really need you to push my item to the front of the production schedule because I need this to ship out ASAP He's like, done, say no more, all good. And I just feel with it with AI, like, yes, we can use these tools and we can match with the best supplier, like with this supplier match tool on Alibaba. But once we have that, we don't have the strings to pull in order to generate and build those favors. I can't call the supplier that I've just met who and just be like, hey, man, can you push my items in front of the production schedule? Probably the answer is no, because we don't have that relationship. So I think that, again, I would reiterate and reemphasize that AI is there to assist you, but it's not there to do the job for you. And the 
important human elements of the business are still so important. And honestly, in five years time, I think those relationships are still just as important. And it's not because then it becomes very transactional, right? The success that I've had with suppliers is when they buy into the vision and they buy into the brand as well. Not so much. I'm your supplier. You're my customer. This is the cost we've agreed. Let's do the order. And then we don't need to speak again. Surely that's been successful for some businesses, but I feel like the real magic is there from relationships and AI is tough at the moment to build relationships unless we're connected by, you know, one of Elon's chips. Uh, but yeah, I would say that it's exciting. It's there as a massive assistant, but the human element is still very, very important. So you talk about human element. What's your thoughts on chatbots and having chatbots and automating customer support versus having that human touch? And do you have do you have any experience in any of the brands you're involved in or anything there? Yeah, yeah. I I think it purely depends on um on the community that you've built, right? Because some people are very very engaged with the community. Like let's say it's a like it's an outdoor brand and you're organizing hikes and stuff like that. They want to feel part of a community, so I don't think they would you know appreciate getting chatbots. But in terms of like and and that would be something. It was very very unique and it was very very niche. But if you're just selling a very generic product, like you know, like a garlic press and it's doing a million units a month and you've built a very, very successful business through that way, then the chatbots are still absolutely fine because it solves a problem that the customer needs. They just got a quick question and then you can get through to them uh, immediately and, and, and it will solve your problem. But I think with, with, with every business, like with every innovative product that comes out, there is an element of where chatbots will really, really help. But as long as they feel like they can get in touch with someone when they have to as well and and they feel heard and like i'm developing a product at the moment which i'm really really excited about and nathan i'm going to send you one as well uh, once it's ready but it's, it's like a portable sauna right and we've had um really 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 cool product right and um we've had like loads of customers reach out and we've just kept optimizing and improving through iterations, every, we order this product every single month and every month we make an improvement to the product as well. So th those have all come out through like customer feedback and, they, and they've been reaching out through the website, through social media and stuff like that. And I feel that if they were just kind of farmed off with a chatbot, we wouldn't have that engagement. But, but you know, like anyone who's into saunas or into ice baths, you know, they're into like biohacking, optimizing and improving themselves, then I think that that's that's a community, right? And, and and we're building such a cool community around this product. And so we know when to use chatbots and when not to, right? So if, for example, when someone's like, I'm assembling my sauna and I'm missing this piece, like this T which connects the poles together, cool. Like we have a chatbot which will find that out and then we'll essentially, we have spare pieces in the warehouse that will get sent out to you, no problem. But when we have feedback from customers, we actually do video messages back or... or people within the brand will message back and, and things like that. And and that's greatly appreciated as well. So I think a combination of the two is super important. Yeah, no, that's cool, man. That's really interesting. And uh, yeah, I'm excited for this uh, portable sauna. Uh, that's really cool. And like, it sounds like a crazy product. You guys are launching on Kickstarter, right? Yeah, so, so it's, it's out already. The The brand is called Saunabox. If you go to saunabox.com, it's uh, just a, a original portable sauna. But we've innovated a lot. Like I'm working on a version two, which pops up immediately. And that one will be on Kickstarter. And every aspect of it, like for it to be lightweight, for it to be to, to pack very light, to have a portable lightweight furniture share inside there as well. Um, 
for it to look really, really cool as well. Th these are all things that I'm, I'm optimizing and improving and then that will launch on Kickstarter. Because what we found is that like, you know, people like to use saunas in the home and stuff like that. So once you set it up, it's up. But there's also a market where people need saunas on the go. I'm not sure if you've watched like the, um, a lot of athletes especially, right? So I'm not sure if you've watched the uh, Conor McGregor documentary, like the four part on Netflix, right? He, he's doing a weigh-in, right? And a lot of like, UFC fighters when they wanted to get their weight down they just he jumped in he had a portable sauna in his hotel room like he can't go down to the hotel gym use the sauna but he's got a portable one in the room and uh, he's basically sweating it out sweating it out sweating it out getting his weight done and then he goes for his weigh-in so but that was such a basic version what we have is way way better than that but all the sort of NBA players and sport industry and stuff like that they need any athlete of any shape or kind it needs sauna for recovery, right? But now this is a recovery device that you can take with you because you can put it, set it up in any room. You can uh, set it up very, very quickly. You can dismantle it very quickly. You can pack it away into a carry bag. You can take it over to your mate's house. So we're basically taking all the health benefits of a sauna, but making it portable and transportable uh, as well. It looks really, really cool. And uh, I've been testing it out and uh, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, that's next level, man. So dude, we have to work towards wrapping up. Um, a couple of last questions. One, if you were speaking to early stage e-commerce founders, what AI tools would you recommend to give them a competitive edge in the market? And then two, uh, was there any question that I didn't ask you that you wanted to share or anything that you wanted to share as final words of wisdom with the group? So I, I, I would say for an absolute beginner, I would say Shulex it, it would be my favorite because, you know, we, we talked about the analysis that it gives you into reviews and stuff like that. And just to go back to fundamentals, I always feel that the best products, anyone can sell a product, right? But the products which are the best performing are the ones which solve problems. And in the last like 13, 14 years, I've been developing products. Whenever I'm working or launching on a new product, I always ask myself the question, what problem am I solving? And if I'm happy that I'm solving a problem, then I'm happy launching that product. I'm not necessarily interested in just launching a product where I change the color or I just make it a little bit smaller because then it's just anyone can do that. And it's a race to the bottom in terms of price. I want to be solving problems for my customers. I want to engage with the community, know what the community want and then solve their problems through products. And the way that I've always done that is by purchasing, using, testing samples. And it can be a long and painful and grueling process. But now through these tools, we can scrape the data on any brand that we want, on any selling platform that we want, and we can summarize and get those negative pain points within two minutes. So I, I feel that like Shulex is a, a one as a product developer where you can solve a lot of problems through products and just optimize and streamline, streamline that journey very, very quickly. And um a question that you haven't asked that, that I wish people would ask is that um, I always feel that you have to have fun with it. And just, I, I wish people said like, how fun is product development really? Because a lot of people, I think st it stresses them out, right? And they put pressure on themselves and they're like, oh, I have to develop this product. I'm not getting the right price or the, pr the stock arrived a little bit too late. But what we talked about before in terms of like me helping with my Chinese suppliers, kids with their homework and stuff, right? At the end of the day, people buy from people. And I've made my best friends through this industry, through um, visiting them in the Far East and things like that, right? And I feel that for me, it's just fun. I'm going to the Canton Fair next week. I'm gonna, it's the Canton Fair. 
is like Disneyland for me, right? It's a hall with like thousands and thousands of products, right? And everyone is like, you, you pick up and see a new products like going on a ride, right? And it's like, I just have so much fun with it. And I think that if you kind of flip and change your mindset and you really enjoy the process and enjoy the journey and don't put so much pressure on yourself, then the more you, the more creative you will get, the more fun you will have in the process and the better business that you will launch as a result. Love it, man. Well, dude, thank you so much for taking the time to share all your wisdom with our community, everything product, everything sourcing, everything product development and uh, manufacturing. So, man, always you've just like helped our community so much. So thank you. Love it, bro. Thanks for having me. All the best. Take care, guys. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content, either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.